¿Qué pasó, cochinos and sucias? I'm that vato gallo. Welcome to another episode of Sucias are my favorite. Today we have a very special guest. He's a friend of mine from high school. We haven't really kept much in touch since then. However, I've been following him on social media for the past few weeks. From what I've gleaned is he's a basketball coach, basketball player, rap artist, podcaster, and overall just funny guy. Now, of course, that's what I see from checking out his social media. And I'd like to ask you a question. Essentially, you know who you are, or at least you have an idea of who you are as your own, your own identity, right? What you put out on social media is what you want to share. But then on the other end, it ends up whatever the other person sees or perceives you being from that social media. So I don't think it always correlates to who you are because it's kind of like that game of telephone. So what do you think is out there in social media about who you are? And what would you really want them to know about yourself, who you are? Oh, that's a great question. So what people see me as via social media and what I put out is probably a basketball coach. And they probably feel like I'm, uh, I guess, a bit of a prankster or a, tro a troller. But in actuality, uh, the basketball is, is a bait and switch. The, the basketball is just to get the kids to come into our program. And so now when we get you in with the basketball, the soccer, or the sports, now we're going to give you these, these life situations. We're going to give you this, uh, this community activism. We're going to give you this um, self-empowerment, this self-love, and really just give you a safe place to come where you can be around other peers there's not a pressure to do negative things. And there's a, there's a, there's a, a um, promotion of positivity and just showing them how good it feels to do that positive things. So, you know, that's what I am. But like I said, you know, the first thing people say when they say, oh, basketball coach, you know, you coach. Like, oh, I don't even coach anymore, really. I, I have teams in my league and I help with the, you know, training. And but as far as actually you know, having 12 guys or 15 guys that I coach, I haven't coached a team in like three or four since I coached at HCC probably four years ago. Okay. So well, I was on your show a couple of days ago and we were going to jump in on something, but your co-host kind of threw something in the, in the mix that kind of made it sound dirty. And I just wanted you yeah. to finish your thought because you had a thing in like the way you operate as far as like how you approach females. Cause we're, we're both single. So He's your co-host is married. You're you. You go out. You see the female, whatever. We were talking about like you got to be careful with the whole me too thing and whatnot. So what what's your approach? Yeah. So as far as approaching females at this point in this in this climate, you know there are a lot of barriers and uh, that are that weren't there before. Some for the good, some for the bad. You know, personally, I think that there's an element of spontaneity that's been removed from the dating scene. Like, you know, I, I literally had the conversation with a woman saying that, you know, well, I can't grab your hand on a date. You have to ask permission. Can I please hold your hand? You know, to where like now everything is so, so PC and so worried about offending that you've taken away the spontaneity, spontaneity of what a relationship sometimes is or what, you know, the first kiss isn't always something that you directed. You know, you didn't script this first kiss as per se, like, can I touch your hand? Is it okay if I kiss you? Not to be something wrong with that, but there are situations where the stars are aligned and, uh, you know, the rain is falling. You come in from the rain. You know, every movie we ever saw from 1980 before, you know, the situations created themselves and people fell into them, you know. According to the new movement, you know, Aladdin would be a rapist, you know, because he just went and took that kiss, you know, and there's so many other instances, you know, so... And that way, sometimes I feel like the spontaneity is taken away. But also, I think that women 
have had enough of not feeling protected because they are there are men out there who take advantage of the situation and might go too far might you know so i can understand the what for a barrier but i think all that really means is the vetting process before you go on the date needs to be more um extensive because people will look at a pretty face and be like okay let's go as opposed to having the conversation and asking them a few questions and seeing what the history was, maybe even asking their friend who knows a friend, hey, what you know about XYZ, male or female? Oh man, XYZ is a rapist, or XYZ, so and so, XYZ, she's a lush, she's, you know, she, whatever, you know, for positive or for good. So that's an issue that, you know, I've run into or I think that is um, pertinent nowadays when it comes to dating. Now, you touched on a thing about guys being too aggressive with females. So what do you think is contributing to males being more aggressive with females or feeling like they're entitled to do stuff? I don't know if you've seen this guy named Skippy, that very cringy, nice guy, and he feels entitled. So what do you, what do you think contributes to that? I mean, there are many factors contributing, but really, you know, to be honest, men have been spoiled, you know, to the point where we feel like we can do certain things, you know. And when you have an overlying blanket of what we can and we can't do, there's going to be extremes. They're going to be so it's going to be a, 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 a percentage of guys who feel like it's okay to go slap a girl on the ass or it's okay to, you know, rub on her titty or whatever, you know what I mean? Because for so long, we've had the ultimate power to be able to do what we want to. Now, uh, is it right? I mean, I don't think so. I think that respect is, is a big thing, you know? Respect is a big thing, you know, and if at any time you put a, a person in a position where they're not respected, well, then that's that's never what you want to do. But in still, there is the caveat that there are some women who, for whatever reason, have been indoctrinated into that lifestyle that if you don't show them that disrespect, they don't understand, you know, uh, to put it in, in, the, in the worst way ever, he hits me because he loves me. There are people, there are women who think like that. You know, if he didn't love me, he wouldn't hit me, you know, which is a horrible way of thinking. But, you know, all things are true on the spectrum, not just the things that we like, you know, not, not just the positive things. The negative things are true as well. And so what we want to do on the whole is have people who are in alignment with, like, if he likes to hit women and she likes to get hit, well, let them be together, you know, where instead of, um, she likes to get hit and he doesn't want to hit or vice versa. You know, people who are aligned, and that's that betting process to talk about. When we're talking about things, you know, we have to be honest and like, you know, well, yeah, I like get my ass spanked or yeah, I like get my ass kicked, whatever it is. You know, we have to be honest up front, you know, on certain subjects so that when it comes up, there's not a, it, now you're not in an awkward position. You're not like, oh, I didn't know, you know, now I'm not punching you in the face and trying to peg me. If I'm a guy, because I'm not into that, or she's not calling the police because you tried to do something to her because she's not, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I think it's so, more about like uh, boundaries or not having boundaries growing up, not not getting established set of boundaries either for good or b- for bad. You know, you, ha- you see some kids that, you know, their moms let them run around crazy, yelling, screaming, hooting and hollering, doing whatever. And you have the other end where you have a mom that if they look at you funny, they'll get pinched or slapped or backhanded. And, you yeah. know, they, they don't, no one learns how to be a parent. I, I think it kind of falls back a little bit to that is that no one teaches us to be a parent. We just do what our parents did 
Or we remember, okay, I didn't like getting beat, so I'm not going to beat my kid. Or I didn't like this that my parents did, and I'm going to do that. But I think that sparing the rod, spoiling the child works to an extent. But being too lax is, is given this problem that we have with relationships, not just um, being a person, but um, intersex relationships, or not intersex, um, male-female relationships. Because without having a, a father figure or a mother figure, how do you think parenting comes into play with that too because i don't think it's just how we end up being because we don't just grow up adults and like okay i'm gonna start dating and doing this i think it comes with from yeah. our background so um like you you're african african not african-american but you were you're raised right. here and so yeah. do you feel like you're first generation or do you feel like an immigrant because you were here as a child and, and that's that i think that might come into play as well too i'm 100 percent first generation mm-hmm. and reason why i would say that i'm 100 percent because the issues that first generation kids have is the the difference between the American culture and the culture back home. So you definitely, there's conversations that you will have at your house that none of your friends are having, or there's, there's um, lifestyle things or, you know, perceptions of everything that at home or this way, and you go to school and it's totally different. Like going up to my house, uh, the teacher, the instructor, the instructor was always right, no matter what. Mm-hmm. If you decided to pee in your face, it was a reason why I did that, you know. And so you had to, we had to realize that if they're always right, no matter what happens. Whereas, you know, I, I saw other kids' parents come up there and they were challenging the teachers, and I was like, "Well, how are you going to challenge the teacher? That's the instructor. Like, mm-hmm. this is the person who is, you know." And as I got older, I understood that both sides of the argument have literacy, but there's a middle space that you have to have. And it's the same thing with parenting, like uh, spare the rise. But to me, I, for the longest, you know, I told my my daughter, she's 13, I I never touched her, didn't touch her at all. If she went to crying, I would pick her up and, and we'd go in the mirror and look at each other, you know, and talk about why we crying when she was baby. And so, and her mother was one of those, you know, got a whooper. I'm like, nah, she's three. She don't understand. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a space in between that where you can't, you know, because you can't be too passive and you can't be too aggressive. So learning some information, reading about it, you know, trying to find alternative ways of discipline, you know, not just falling back and say, go in the corner and not just, you know, DDT in them. You know, there's a, there's a middle ground that we, that we, that we have to find or we should find as parents which is difficult because people will tell you, well, my dad did this and my mom did this. So that's how I'm going to do, mm-hmm. you know, and then you know about their life. Like, well, yeah, I'm mad depressive. I can't have a relationship. I don't love myself. You know, I'm like, well, these things came from your parenting and what happened and you're passing these same traits onto your kids. But, you know, that's a whole conversation about therapy in America mm-hmm. and people going to therapy, you know, the stigmatism of therapy, they named it the rapist for a reason, you know, the general connotation is that they're raping your mind, you know? So there's a lot of things in that, but to answer your question, yeah, there, there's a very, very, very middle ground in between kill the child and let the child go free. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I feel that, you know, I, I get that whole idea of the stigma of getting therapy, getting help. Like, you know, we're both Gen Xers, so we both grew up with like, Hey, suck it up and, and deal with it. Or at least the American version of Gen Xers is, you know, suck it up, deal with it, you know, rub some sand on it, rub some dirt on it and go back and play, quit being a pussy. Um, 
And then at the same time, you know, those things that we're dealing with, it's just, okay, that's, that's like the surface level, like, like a glacier and you have all this buried crap underneath that you don't know. You don't even realize because you're just doing you, you're just living your life. And it's not until, you, you know, you meet someone else. Like when I, when I talk about stuff that grew up with me, like, um, you listen to my podcast about who am I, everybody that's heard it and, and responded to me about it said, oh man, that's very dark. And I'm just thinking like, that's just how I grew up. Like I almost died a bunch of times. So what? Everybody almost dies. But I think, you know, to me, it's no big deal. Everybody else is like, how are you still, how are you still sane? So sorry, go ahead. I feel the same way. Like we, we normalize our trauma as individuals. Like we, we normalize our trauma. So to me, uh, to, to, to give an example, like to me, when I was growing up, if I made a B, I was in trouble. So that was normal to me. And my friends would be like, man, you made a B, man. My mom would be happy. Like, when I'm out, I made a B, I'm in trouble. I'm grounded for two weeks, mm-hmm. you know? And I normalized that trauma. So now when I'm, you know, older and going to school, I don't have the passion for school that I used to have when I was younger because I'm like, man, I was traumatized into making good grades. I wasn't coaxing to have a good grade. Mm-hmm. I was traumatized. Into make- so, you know, and that's just the way that she was raised, you know? So... And, and, you know, things, things, uh, my dad the same way. Like, so it's, you know, it's like you say, you, you, we normalize our trauma, you know, on every level mm-hmm. and people that's, uh, people look at you and they're like, oh man, how you do that? It's like, well, because that's what I had to do. I wasn't going to quit, you know, because mm-hmm. we do have that. One thing I've noticed about uh, first generations is we do understand that there is a push for us to be better mm-hmm. and to go. So even with whatever's going on around us, we know that, hey, there's a worse, there's a, there's a go back home, which is worse than this, you know? So let's make the most of this and push this forward as, as far as we can go. Okay. And I wanted to circle back to like how you approach, because you started saying something on, when I was, when I was on your podcast last time about, uh, you know, going to approach a female at wherever and your co-host threw in, oh, well, you know, she's 18 or across the high school. Like, let's just ignore that. How would you typically approach? Like you meet a female, you see someone in public, what's your, what, what's your go-to? What's your game plan? How do, how do you do that? And what's your mindset going into that? And I think that'll, that'll end our time or your time. Man, I hate, I hate to want to say this, man, but I really coach females, man. Like, I, if if it's not organic, if we don't bump into each other in line, or we, if she, she doesn't say I look familiar, or she's, you know, because one, I'm cognizant of putting females in an awkward position, and you know, a big six foot four black guy, black guy, you know, and when she's coming to shop, she might be coming to shop, you know. So I don't want to put them in an awkward position where they're like, now nah, I got to, you know, always another one. You know? At the most, I might say, good morning, good afternoon, how you doing? You know, there's something outstanding, like she has on some, I don't know, a, a great dress. So I'm like, that's, that's, that's a real pretty dress, you know. Thank you, you know. And if it'll be something very, very casual, very honest, you know. I don't have any, like, you know, pimp lines or anything like, hey, you about heaven angel wings or whatever, you know, that kind of stuff. But I, I, I really, to be honest with you, I, I'm hands off, man, at this at this point. Now I was 20, <laughs> you know, I don't say anything. I, I just yeah. be like, look at me at you, you know, what you want to do, you know. And it's, it's the, the odd part is the more honest and almost brass you are, 
the more they're going to be into it because they can recognize the honesty in what you're saying. That women are very intuitive about that. That even if you say something that's brass or crass or uh, if it's honest and genuine, they can see that and sense that and they'll talk you into some sense, you know, into talking a certain way, you know. But just sometimes the guys really are that crass and they can't come back to the other side of, you know, normalcy. They'll start off way out there in the left and stay there. Most guys might come off in the beginning on the far left or the far right, but they will coax, the women will coax them back into a, a middle ground where it's you know, something that makes sense. Damn it. I was going to ask you something. I just, it, it totally blinked. Oh, so yeah. So you th- do you think the way you change your approach, did Me Too have anything to do with that? Or was it you maturing in age that you kind of got to that place to where like, okay, I'm going to let it be a little more organic as opposed to just chasing everything you see? Uh, I would say a little bit of bo- a little bit of both, but I mean the age, of course. When you get older, you know, hopefully you get wiser, you know, and you you see things differently. Uh, and me too, you know, I, man, me too is scary, man, because literally we watched a generational switch shift in how things happen, mm-hmm. and you know that were okay in 1989 are jailable offenses in 2021 you know what i mean like things that you that you grow up grew up doing you know and we didn't know any better because we would thought that this was how it was done like yeah just go in the club grab an arm and pull it over to you mm-hmm. you know what i mean but now it's like that's assault you know you grabbed my arm you know what is how you were at the club when you were talking you looked at you know things like that so uh yeah, it, it's it's a little bit of both, but I would say more maturity than anything, more maturity and more just realizing that that female, that woman, that 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 lady is somebody's daughter, that's somebody's sister, that's somebody's mom, that's somebody's, you know, aunt, you know, that's somebody's teacher sometimes, somebody's, you know, best friend. And you don't want them to have to, because uh, I've had my shoulder cried on too many times to remember mm-hmm. about situation of that so it's like you don't want to put them in that position you know you don't be that guy that they say oh yeah him he does xyz oh yeah yeah watch out for him you know so that's too. it's funny you say that because because that kind of came up when uh when i first got to sam some girls that knew me from middle school like oh don't talk to him he's a player but um i I have some feminist friends and they would they would actually i have one that's probably watching right now she'd be very upset with you the whole the whole thing about um that someone's daughter that someone's sister someone friend you um the the argument that i've heard from feminists is that they're a human that they should be treated as a human and not you know you shouldn't have to relate that you know, there's someone you, um, someone's daughter, someone's mother that you're treating or disrespecting. Yeah. That they should have that respect as a yeah. human. But at the same time, yeah. it's it's hard to have a discussion with some feminists, not all, but some of them will want to just yeah. have that argument and like, hey, look, I grew up like this. That's how I need to relate it. I understand you yeah. want them to to be human, and that, that's just something I just got to pass on because I keep hearing it all the time. Um, yeah. Being in roller derby, a lot of feminists in that, and so they 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 have that. At least they they have um, some patience with me because like I'll change, but I'm not going to change on a dime, and I'm not going to. I, I yeah. very rarely apologize. Like there's only one person I apologize to, and she's been dead for four years now. So I, I'm totally unapologetic. So the next time we talk, we have to have a, a talk about the feminism and the, <clears throat> the the realities and the false realities 
of feminism. feminism. That mm-hmm. definitely has to be a topic to have next time. For yeah. sure, for sure. I'm, I got to write it down somewhere. Because that, that, we'll forget. I know. That, that's what I'm doing. I always have to. If you see me looking down, I'm, I'm playing with my phone or writing little notes. I need to ask this. Yeah, yeah. I need to do that. So yeah, go ahead. Thank you for coming on. I'm going to let you go because I know you got to record your podcast and then I'm going to do my responses. Hopefully check it out, you know, in a couple of days when I put it out. But JB, I appreciate you being here. One day we're going to yeah. sit down and have like, a, I want to have a full hour long conversation with you one day. So you let me know when you're available yeah. and we'll, we'll do it. All right. So appreciate you again. All right, brother. Take care. Love you, man. Right. Catch you the next one. Yeah. Okay, let me end this real quick. Did I end that? No. Yep. Okay, so now... Oh, scared myself. A window disappeared. I'm like, wait a minute. Okay, so my take on some of the things he said, and I was hoping he would be able to be on, but he has his own podcast. He records three times a week. He's got his co-host. He's got to set up some stuff, and he's in Houston, so they do it a little bit later. Um and check him out. His uh, podcast is 16 Shots with JB and Dub Williams. I forget, but, but just search for 16 Shots on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. You'll be able to find him. And I'm added to the show notes. So actually, I don't need this because I can hear myself, right? Yeah, I don't need headphones because I don't need to hear him. So um, initially, with, with his uh, approach to females and, and he had to cut it short because he, he went into a little bit more detail of how he was approaching. My idea of approaching or when, when I see a female that catches my eye and I'll approach anyone anywhere um, because with my history of being a sex addict and having worked as a bartender, I spend a lot of time reading body language. As a matter of fact, one of my favorite pastimes is just going somewhere where there's a lot of people um, you know, riverbanks, uh, malls, whatever, or at least pre-COVID. And just people watch, figure out what they're talking about, or not figure out, but kind of guess what they're talking about, guess what their conversation is about, and make up silly backstories to them. And it just depends on my mood. Either I'm trying to guess what they're doing or what, what's going on in their life, or I just make up some wild, uh, preposterous, crazy idea of why they're here. Like they're originally from France and they've been together for three years, got married in the last few months. Um, and they're both secretly in love with her stepbrother, you know, just stupid random ideas or thoughts or backstories and essentially just have fun with making up whoever they are and what their backgrounds are. Anyways, when I approach females, my mentality or my mindset is I'm doing her the favor of coming to her because I'm the prize. I'm worthy. And that kind of ties back into my whole uh, theory of 100 and uh, sexual prowess on one of my earlier episodes. In essence, guys that can give females orgasms consistently are higher value than guys that can't. Of course, that's not something you can like wear on a badge or you can't have it like tattooed on your forehead because it's not a body part that can say, oh yeah, that's what's going to happen. Whereas with females, yeah, you see the curves, you see what they have. Males, you can't really tell what's going on with them or what they can't do. So it comes off as confidence. And what he was saying is is how they respond to him, then he'll proceed or not. Like he's, he'll compliment her, her dress or whatever she's wearing, pass a compliment. If she's receptive, um, then, you know, you keep moving forward. Whereas if she's short or curt or, you know, mm, you know, just, just, just non-responsive or, or turns away, because it's also body language. It's not just the words. So when I see that or hear or see... Um, 
it's kind of confusing because in my mind, I'm thinking of what red pill um, terminology is for things like that, which is IOIs, uh, indicators of interest. The way I grew up, the way I, I approached this whole thing for just being a sex addict is kind of like a, a traffic signal. So green go, yellow caution, red stop. And so I kind of figure out whether to keep going forward, kind of go off to the side or, you know, how, how do I deviate from the course of action that I have? Because my interest is to have sex with her. It's not to make friends with her. It's not to um, get to know her and maybe go on a date. I make it clear through my actions and through innuendos and entendres that I say is that I'm here to fuck you. I might date you later if you're good in bed, but I need to see if you're good in bed first. And so that's my, my approach, my mindset, my mantra, however you want to call it. I'm going to get it in, or that's, that's my goal. In my 20s, I'd approach and hit on every female I saw, big, little, short, or small. I didn't care. You know, I was just a, a numbers game for me initially. Once I realized that I had some value, that I was attractive, and that I was good in the sack... Then I figured, what can I get these girls to do to earn the chance to be with me? And then, of course, that just made me cockier, a bigger head. I guess more confidence, and then that just comes out for makes it easier to bring more females in. On the other hand, uh, he was also talking about, um, or his co-host kind of threw in some stuff. Well, why you got to go talk to a female at Chipotle during summertime across from the high school? And then he kind of, the, the co-host kind of made it creepy unintentionally. He was just, just busting his balls. But then we had to like, okay, look, we don't do anything with underage girls. However, I'm not uh, excusing it or, or coming off with um, an excuse to allow that kind of behavior. I'm just going to share experiences that I had myself. Most army bases are in little middle of nowhere towns. There's a few that are in like major cities or large size cities like uh, San Antonio, San Diego has uh, the Marine Corps trade, uh, Recruit Depot. Many of uh, military bases are in the middle of nowhere in towns that without the military base, the, the towns would just kind of shrivel and disappear. There wouldn't be anything there. So in any case, with, with that uh, knowledge, there was a girl I met on post in a club in the Army. So on post club, or actually it was a bar that had a little small dance floor. Most dance clubs in the United States, if you're under the age of 21... You can still go in and dance. However, you'll get big red, uh, big X marks on your hand, for, uh, either a stamp or um, Sharpie on your hand, basically saying that you're a minor and you can't be served drinks. Um, other places will just give you, nowadays it's more common to get a wristband that you're old enough to drink. But back in the 90s, everyone's going to spend extra money. It's easier to just get a Sharpie and write on your hands. And some people would try to go into the restroom and wipe it off or rub, rub off the uh, Sharpie marker so they could drink. But if you got caught doing that, then you'd get banned from the bar. In any case, I met this girl in the club, X's on her hands. She's going to all these guys trying to get them to buy her a drink. And clearly she was a civilian because all service members know that if you do something stupid that's against the law, criminally or civilly, you have to deal with that criminal offense. But then you also have UCMJ, which is the Uniform Code of Military Justice. You go serve your time out in the real world or out in, you know, civilian world, and you'll come back, have a trial, and then serve more time in the military, uh, depending on the offense. Sometimes the offense will be just, um, you could get a slap on the wrist in the city, like having your site license suspended. But if you drive with your license suspended on post, then you'll get something like a reduction in pay for a uh, 50% reduction in pay for three to six months, extra duty. So you have your nine to five job, or it's more like 
5 a.m. to 5 p.m. job where you get up, work out, do a bunch of stuff, do your day job. And then after work, you go eat dinner, you come back and you work till about 9 p.m. Most of the time is doing stupid shit like polishing the brass on door handles, stripping and waxing floors, a bunch of just busy work, but just to take away your free time and to reinforce the idea, hey, be on the straight and narrow. So this girl was approaching a bunch of guys like, hey, you know, buy me a drink. You know, she's being all flirty, handsy, just being excessively flirty to get a guy to buy her a drink. And I saw this because I, people watch all the time, saw that happening. And I finally approached her like, hey, look, you're, you're definitely a civilian because if you were a soldier, you would know no one's going to buy you a drink. How about we get to know each other? We dance a little bit then we can go back to my barracks. I've got uh, some beer. I've got some vodka and some whiskey. That's just a condensed version. You know, when I finished talking to her, she eventually just said, well, let's just go to your place now. Fine, let's go. Went back to my place, made out, gave her some alcohol, kept making out. We hooked up a couple of times that night. She left four or five in the morning. Saturday morning, I wake up, go do errands, whatever. Saturday afternoon, start getting ready to go to a club. I decided I was going to go to, to one of the dance clubs in town. I hear a knock on my door. Go answer the door. It's a girl again. It's like, hey, you know, I figure we'll just stay in and we can drink and fine by me. So for about a month, this kept happening. Every weekend, she'd come over, hang out, drink, hook up, play video games, whatever. After about a month, there was a, some holiday on a Monday, um, could have been Labor Day, Martin Luther King. It was just some random Monday off, or it could have been that we were out in the field and we got Monday and Tuesday off. But I, I remember, I remember that it was a Monday that I had off and I wanted to go hang out with her and she said she was busy. She was getting, but she was getting out of school early, early that day. Um, but she can't do anything for the whole night because she's got, she has class late on uh, Tuesday. Oh, she's in college, you know, Tuesdays are late day, Mondays are her even, or it could have been backwards, but I just remember the way she worded what she said. I'm like, oh, she's in college. All right, that's fine. You know, I thought she was just like uh, living at home, working at the mall, doing something. I was like, okay, she's in college. Kept seeing her. And after about two months, two, three months, she's like, hey, you know, I want you to meet my parents. And I was just like, oh, damn it. I don't want to get locked down. But she was a throat goat. She was very good. She was very talented. Uh, so... Go to her parents' house, go have dinner. And when I introduce myself to the father, he shakes my hand and he says very clearly, there's no reason a man your age should have anything to do with the girl my daughter's age. I'm like, oh no, sir, we're just, we're just friends. We met at the mall, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm getting to know her. We're dating. You know, we're just, we're just friends. We're not, nothing's going on. He's kind of grunted and didn't really say much after that. We had dinner. Mom made some pasta. I'm sitting at the table. Girls to my right. Mom's to my left at the end of the table. Next to her is a toddler. She's feeding him on a high chair. Yeah, high chair. Across from me is eight or 10-year-old boy, the brother. And then at an angle for me in front of the sister, or in front of the girl is the sister. She had just turned 16. She mentioned something about getting her driver's license. And then the other end of the table is a father. So we're all sitting there explaining, hey, Texas isn't full of uh, cowboys, horses, and oil derricks. We're, we actually got cities there explaining why I don't have a drawl. And just going on, having a conversation, answering questions, just being charming. And meeting the pasta, and the sister blurts out, so Susie, what are we going to do for your 14th birthday next year? I keep eating like I didn't hear a thing. I My blood pressure, I could feel like just my guts just drop and sink to like my rip, my hips, like just like, you know, whenever you drop in a roller coaster, that's what I felt like that just said. Everything just dropped. Kept eating like I didn't hear anything. I heard Susie kick her sister under the table. Kept eating. Pretend like I didn't hear anything. Kept talking. Dinner was over. Plates get cleared. 
stand up, go talk to the father, tell him, sir, I met your daughter on post in a club trying to buy drinks or trying to get guys to buy her drinks on my mother's grave. I will never come back to your house and pick her up again. She kept trying to see me for a while after that. But uh, the father essentially said that if she ends up coming up pregnant, that I do the right thing and marry her. I was like, not a problem. Anything after this day, it's not going to be me. Not the issue. Well, there, there's an issue I have with this whole situation. But on top of that is, um, that's kind of a common thing. I had uh, soldiers, soldier friends, uh, other friends in the barracks that had something similar happen to them. They either meet a girl at a bar, they meet her at a club, or they might have met her at the uh, mall. They act or pretend as though they're over 18, come to find out they're underage and they're just trying to find a way out of town because that's really the only way to get out of a little small town like that is marrying a soldier or joining the military. Some people don't want to do that. So the easiest thing to do is marry a soldier, let them take you somewhere else and let the chips fall where they may. Something like that happened to me a couple other times meeting him in a bar or meeting him out in public. And that was strictly uh, in the army, like around a base. My issue with the whole situation is that per uh, state laws or most state laws, you know, the, the age of consent varies from state to state. Some states are 12, other states are 16. Most states are 18 and up. Texas is a weird exception where 17 is the age of consent. But if you're within three years of the age of each other. So if you're 17 and she's 14, that's okay. But if you're 18 and she's 14, that's not okay, which doesn't make any sense. But you could be 16 and 13, you know, just three years age difference, regardless of who male or female is, it's just got to be within three years of an age gap. So my issue with the whole statutory rape thing isn't that I want to hook up with underage girls. My issue is that I met her in a club where I would have a reasonable expectation that she's at least 18. Specifically, if she has X's on her hands, that means someone checked her ID, saw that she wasn't 21, but over 18, put X's on her hands like, okay, she's old enough to be in here, but not old enough to drink. Had this gone to court, I'd have been doubly fucked. One, with uh, the state of New York, and two, with the army. It could be a slippery slope if we change the laws to say something like, okay, if the girl's going out there seeking men, older men, not online, I'm talking about she's going to adult places, bars, clubs, whatever else, adults, casinos. Well, no, casinos have kids in there. Um, But essentially, my issue is that if you have a reasonable expectation that you're meeting someone over the age of 18, then you shouldn't be prosecuted to the same extent that you would be if you were pursuing them, like uh, to catch a predator like that guy. Those guys definitely deserve the book thrown at them. But a guy that just meets a girl at a bar, dance club, any other situation where you're expected to meet other 18-year-olds or other adults, I think that should be more of a slap on the wrist or more of like, hey, pay more attention and be careful what you do. And so when we were talking, um, when I was on his podcast recently, we were just talking, hey, look, I'll hook up with an 18-year-old all day long. I prefer 25, 30-year-olds in general to like hook up with and date um, because there's really nothing for me to talk to with an 18 year old, a 20 year old, a 25, even a 25 year old, their, their mentality and, and their mindset goals, all, all this other stuff. I mean, not all, but by and large, most of the kids that I know when I meet and I see, uh, it's like all about social media, reality TV and just stuff. I don't care about, I don't, I don't really want to watch. Yeah. Okay. I'm on YouTube and I'm semi-reality TVing, being my own life. But I, I don't think, what's the word? Um, 
I don't think it should be as big of a deal when there's that expectation of being with an adult. In any case, um, then as far as with the approaches and all the other things, I find it amusing that most males have this fear with the whole Me Too and the, the possibility of getting in trouble. Um, <clears throat> when I approach females, it's like probably because I'm better at reading body language and uh, micro expressions and all those things. I can tell, okay, she's not interested. I stop, I back off, and I leave. She might tell her friends, hey, this creepy old guy was talking to me or whatever. But I know how far I can push things. And there's other times that I'll push far and it'll just kind of uh, fall on dead ear, dead ears, dead air. Um, I'll make a comment like, oh yeah, that, that's a nice dress. 10, 15 minutes later, we're, we're still chit chatting and I'll say something in effect of like, yeah, I'd look better on the floor my, by my bed or, or something like that. Just kind of hinting or letting her know that I want to get her into the bed. I'm not interested in keeping this conversation going. So I can read it in her face if she's not interested. She'll either, you know, make a weird face, back off, turn her body, or just give a nervous laugh. Like, okay, she's not interested. I'll keep it polite. Get back to a a more civil level uh, instead of keeping it sexual. And just like, all right, well, nice meeting you and just take off. I think that's something that people need to learn in general. I think that's probably something that we're losing that children today, specifically with, with the whole COVID thing, but also with just kids being stuck on their phone they don't learn pecking order. They don't learn how to interact with others socially. Going back to kind of what my friend was saying about how, how we raise kids and how things are different. I think bullying should be still a part of our life. You need to learn pecking order. You need to learn, or people need to learn that you talk shit, you can get hit. Most people have this whole thing, aversion to violence. I'm not one to react with violence initially. I'm not going to just go and hit someone because they offend me or they piss me off, which it, it takes a lot to offend me, but it should be there as like, okay, look, we can joke around, we can crack jokes, we can say stupid stuff to each other, but I'm never going to allow someone to talk to me the way people react or behave on social media, where they'll go on a long tirade, go on a rant, and just um, say stupid shit about whatever, um, you know, Karens, what, uh, stuff like that. Uh, you'll see TikToks or viral videos that you know, woman's hitting a man, the man's just trying to block or, or walk off, you know, whoever hits me, they're going to get hit back. There, there's no excuse. Oh, well, you know, you shouldn't hit women. Women shouldn't hit anyone. No one should hit anyone. But if you're going to raise your hands, you should have that expectation that someone's going to hit you back. There's Gen Xers that I know have, were taught kind of the same thing. Some of my friends um, in roller derby, you know, their daughters are used to hitting boys their age, like, oh, if they make a joke or say something funny, they'll just punch them in the arm. And it is not a little, uh, I mean, they're taking a full on swing. And I tell the parents, I tell the girl, Hey, what, what would you do if a, if a guy hits you like that? Oh no, you know, we get into a fight, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Well, what would you do if a girl hits you like that? Oh, well, she's just plain. So a girl hits you the same way you hit that guy that's just plain. But if a guy hits you back, then it's wrong. Unfortunately, some of my friends don't get that, that it's wrong If it's wrong for one person, it should be wrong for both people. They just see it as, well, no, girls shouldn't be hit at all. No one should be hit. I know that's kind of controversial in a sense that talking about violence and it's just propagating more toxic masculinity. My issue with that, some people will say that just violence is wrong and we need to get rid of it altogether. And the best way I can not get around it, explain it, is that most superpowers, most countries maintain peace by preparing for war. We're not attacking each other. We're not doing anything because everybody has nuclear weapons. Everybody can, you know, go full retard and wipe out the earth. So we behave a little bit more. In any case, sorry for being late. Uh, 
technical difficulties on my end, running late on my friend's end. So it all worked out. Glad you're here. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. I love you. Till next time. Bessels.